Good morning. Welcome to Footnotes from a Madman. I am your host, Robert Wallace. You are listening to episode 30. It's hard to believe it's 30 episodes. Very cool. I'm excited. Um, Chris, CFX Chris, <laughs> will not be joining this week. We were not able to coordinate our schedules. And I will explain why. Uh, so, Sunday morning, last week, Sunday morning, um, about three in the morning, we got up and headed to New Orleans for six nights. Um, my wife and I and our friends Juan and Dora. Dora is turning 50 <clears throat> and or turned 50 while we were there. So we headed out. Um, we planned this trip for like a year and a half, something like that. Um, we booked we booked the hotel in January of 2020 before pre how do you say oh I don't know anyway it's obviously before COVID I was gonna say BC yeah there you go before COVID um so we <clears throat> booked uh the hotel and um I think that was pretty much it we didn't do too much else um, oh, we booked the airfare. And so um, that way we knew for sure we were going, when we were going, when we were coming back, and we just kind of let it sit. And um, then around late in March or early April, um, everything started shutting down. Sometime in May, uh, I had read that the Bourbon Orleans had shut down and was doing some renovations. <clears throat> that was the hotel that we booked with. No big deal. Everything is shut down. We're like, okay, we've got like over a year till our trip. And so we just kind of didn't worry about it. September, we start thinking, hopefully things will start opening soon. It's only six months away. <clears throat> January, we start thinking, holy shit. <laughs> uh, Bourbon Orleans is not open yet. What should we do? And I said, well, I, I read on Instagram that, you know, it was going to open. They were planning on open early spring, so we're probably, probably going to be okay. February, my wife starts getting nervous. And, excuse me, I did too. I was getting nervous. And so I tried calling the hotel. And, of course... Nobody's been there for a year, 
Nobody's been working, so, you know, you don't get an answering machine, you don't get anything. I thought, okay, I'll go to the website. The website is not down. I mean, it still exists. It's still running. And you can go to this reservations tab and check on your reservations. Sorry, I'm drinking my coffee. It's damn early. Anyway, um... So I click on the reservations tab and it says put in your confirmation and your name. So I do that and then I hit enter. <clears throat> and um it basically says your con your your reservation cannot be confirmed. So then we were starting to think maybe they were not gonna open. Maybe they started just canceling reservations. <clears throat> <clears throat> Excuse me. We hadn't received any kind of notice one way or the other. And this was the first point where we really felt like we did not have reservations any longer. So we booked uh, refundable reservations at the Crown Royal, the Astor Crown Royal there on Bourbon Street. The Bourbon Orleans is at the top of Bourbon Street, um, meaning, you know, from Canal, um, you're walking um, east, I believe it is, and then you get like six or eight blocks, and there's the uh, Orleans Street, and the Bourbon Orleans obviously is indicated by the name. It's on the corner of Bourbon and Orleans. <clears throat> um Astor Crown Royal is on the corner of Canal and Bourbon. So it's, you know, it's still part of the action. It's just way down at the other end. It's much busier um, down at that end. And we ended up walking into that hotel while we were there just to see the the lobby, um, see what it's all about. But anyways... Um, I just told the end of my story. That's all right. Um, <clears throat> so we go ahead and book this. Um, about May, I don't know, 8th, May 9th, we get an uh, email from Bourbon Orleans saying that they're open and that um, previous reservations were still active. And I was like, does that mean us? Are, we're, are we considered previous? I'm, I'm assuming we're a previous reservation. We made it before they closed, blah, blah, blah. So I tried calling. Said that they actually had an answering machine this time. And they said they were not going to be open until the 14th. Now, mind you, our trip was May the 23rd. Is that right? The 23rd? I believe that's correct. Sunday was the 23rd, if I remember correctly. So we weren't going to arrive till 23rd. So waiting until the 14th, yeah, you know, wasn't a big deal. We still had our other hotel. It was refundable, so on and so forth. May 14th, I'm on the phone at 5 a.m. our time here in California, which puts it at about 7, yeah, 7 a.m. in New Orleans. And... um Somebody answered the phone. I was so 
excited. I was so happy. I started talking to them, asked them about our reservation. They checked it and they said, "Oh yeah, you're you're good to go. You know, your your uh, reservation is still confirmed, and we're looking forward to seeing you." My wife and I were so excited because we we love that hotel, um, and we really wanted Juan and Dora to experience that hotel. It's awesome, and there's supposed to actually be some hunting spirits there, which um, Juan and Dora uh, enjoy that aspect, you know, it doesn't scare them or, or whatever, they kind of enjoy that. So we were really looking forward to them seeing the hotel and being part of the history of the hotel. And then, you know, the haunting part of it was just kind of an added benefit. So we went ahead and canceled our other hotel and got our money back and we were good to go. So we fly out of Ontario on Sunday morning. Our flight is at 6.05. Who flies at 6.05? Damn, we do. Uh, the nice part is security isn't, I mean, oh, security isn't bad at that time of morning. But I will tell you, for a Sunday morning, it was busy. It was really busy. It took us about 25 minutes to get through security, um, which I know in some places that's really fast. But I was thinking for a Sunday morning, um, at that time, we would probably be in security 10 minutes at the ma at the most. So for me and my thinking, 25 minutes was pretty busy. Um and we didn't really account for that much time, so we uh, we ended up getting to our gate. Well, I mean, if you go if you fly southwest, you know you um, start lining up with A's and then B's and then C's, and they start you know they do pre-boarding and then they do the A's and then they do a bunch of other people and then they do B. So when we got to the gate. Um, a was starting to board, so you know we weren't we weren't terrible. We still had plenty of time, but it was you know if you're if you have a B or if you have A, you know you get a better seat because you get on the airplane sooner. So what's the point of getting an A or a B if you're going to show up late after the C's? You know what I mean? So. <clears throat> Anyways, we it turned out fine. We were there. We got into our space, got on the airplane. We flew to Denver, had a two-hour layover there. That was smooth, no issues. Um, we ate there. Then we flew to New Orleans. <clears throat> we arrived there, no issues. Get our bags, no issues. We walk out of the airport. It is humid as fuck. Oh my gosh, it was so humid. I mean, it was like 65% humidity, which for them is actually low. Uh, I know during the winter, they can get down into the 30s and 40s. Um, spring, it gets up in the 60s. And uh, during the summer, you get 95 degree weather with 90% humidity down there. That place is miserable. And I learned that from the residents. They were telling me that. 
So um, for us, it was downright mild. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so we get in a taxi. It costs us 60 bucks for the four of us. We are off and running. Um, we had to wear our masks the whole entire time. I mean, from the time that we arrived in Ontario until the time we got into the taxi at in um, New Orleans, we had to wear our masks. I mean, it was a long, long day. And I actually got a headache from it. It was too much. It was too much. And our, and our second flight from Denver to New Orleans, it seemed like the um, air, you know, the little blower thing that blows on you, it seemed like that wasn't working well. So the flight was actually kind of warm. So the flight was warm. It was two hours, two and a half hours. Um, just by the time we got there, I was feeling not great. I, you know, had a little bit of a headache going on. And um, so let me hop in the taxi and we're cruising. And then once you get towards the French Quarter, it's a lot of one-way streets. So this guy's hauling ass down these one-way streets, just whipping around corners and so on and so forth. I get car sick. So, um, you know, I'm closing my eyes. I'm trying to hold it in, hold it together. He finally gets us there. I get out of the car. I'm the one that's supposed to pay for the taxi. Taxi. I just hand my wife the, the tip and my credit card. I'm just like, I just hand it to her. I didn't even say anything. She goes, you're not feeling good, huh? And I just shook my head and I got out. I had to, um, and, it, and it didn't help standing outside because it was so freaking hot and humid. I had to go inside the hotel and sit down and just gather myself. Um, took me about a half hour just sitting downstairs in the lobby. Uh, my wife was checking us in um, along with Dora. They were just chatting it up with the, with the guy at the front desk. His name is Dakota. He was awesome. Um, and I started feeling better about the time we headed up to our room, but, um, so, you know, my wife was, was talking with, uh, Dakota and just kind of telling him why we we're there and so on and so forth. He says, oh, you know, I, I have good news and bad news. He's like, I, your rooms are not ready. And, uh, we're like, oh, well, okay, that's, that's okay. And he said, the good news is we're, we're going to upgrade you. So here's the there's the the awesome part. When we were looking at getting the hotel a year and a half earlier, we debated getting a balcony um, on you know an outside balcony so we could look over Bourbon Street, and it was an extra hundred dollars a night per room. So you know between the two rooms, that's twelve hundred bucks plus tax. Um, you know, 600 a couple. And we honestly believed at that time that we didn't think it'd be worth it. We weren't sure how much we were going to be in our room. You know, we had booked suites. That wasn't, that wasn't an issue. It was just whether there was a balcony or not. Um, and so we thought, well, you know, we're going to be on the go. We're going to be doing this, doing that. And basically when we get back to our room at night, we're going to be too tired to enjoy the balcony. It's just going to be you know, maybe the first night we're going to be like, oh, this is awesome, and then done. So 
Like, eh, I'm not sure that's worth 600 bucks, so we didn't do it. So Dakota is like, I've got an upgrade for you. We're going to give you balcony suites. So then he's looking at, you know, the different ones, and he's like, well, he says the president's suite is not ready. They'd only been open for a week, so there was a lot of stuff that needed to be cleaned still, and so there was a lot of rooms that were not ready, and they were busting their balls the whole week that we were there because they had several weddings and stuff that were coming up uh, the weekend. This last weekend when we left, they had two wedding parties booked, um, so on and so forth. So, I mean, they were they had a week <laughs> to get there, a week before we got there and a week that we were there to get their shit together and get that place cleaned up and ready. So, uh, anyway, so our rooms were not ready. The presidential suite was not ready. So, um, you know, he put Juan and Dora in um, a suite uh, right on uh, near the corner suite on um, Orleans, right next to Bourbon street and he gave us this the corner suite which is called the andrew jackson suite and he was telling my wife that um the one of the owners or the ceo or somebody high up in the corporation when he comes down for mardi gras then that's the room that he stays in so we're like fuck yeah let's let's do this shit we get in the room the suites are are awesome they're not a private uh, bedroom but that's okay they're up in a loft but we had a wraparound balcony so our balcony was on bourbon street and then it wrapped around onto orlean street i mean it was huge balcony huge suite um the andrew jackson suite it has the same square footage as uh um no that's not true because ours had an entry so Ours must have been about 100 square feet larger than uh, Juan and Dora's suite because there's a, a couple different areas. Um, but this thing was beautiful. So you, so you um, walk in the door <clears throat> and immediately, and there's a hallway, and immediately on the right is the first bathroom. I've never been in a hotel room that had two bathrooms. So this was pretty cool. So immediately on the right is the first bathroom. Then you walk down this small five, eight foot hall. And then you walk into like a sitting area. <clears throat> and to the right uh, is, I mean, to the immediate right, like you have to do a, a U-turn, um, is a wet bar. And with the sink, obviously, and what have you, all kinds of space there. And then right next to that is a little seating area. So two big oversized chairs and a table um, set there for sitting, talking, eating, whatever. As you um, walk to the end of that little seating room, there's actually, uh, you can go to the left and go into the actual living room of the apartment or you could go out the door, out into the balcony. Um, so when you go left, you go into the living room, which is pretty pretty big, pretty big. There's um, 
TV to the right, um, a couch to, and a table and two or three chairs for sitting to the left. As you walk through the living room towards the uh, stairs, <clears throat> um, there's, a, there's a desk. <clears throat> Excuse me, there's a desk over there. Um, and then if you keep walking forward, then you can go out the second door onto the other side of the balcony. So the balcony is wrapped around and it had a door on either end of the balcony. <clears throat> so that was pretty, pretty cool. Now you go up the stairs into the, <clears throat> excuse me, into the loft. And that's where the bedroom is. Um, and it was a queen size bed. It wasn't, uh, I like kings, but that's okay. It was a queen size bed, plenty of room. They had plenty of room for a king. Um, so you had plenty of room to move around. So that was nice. There's a TV up on the wall, so on and so forth. <clears throat> you walk through the bedroom, through this back door, excuse me. <clears throat> and the master bathroom is back behind the wall, behind the bed, behind the bedroom. And that was nice. It was only single sink, which is fine. That was fine. A nice shower. <clears throat> um, you can... If you don't go into that back bathroom and you walk straight ahead, you go into another sitting area. Um, and it's uh, it was similar to the size of the first little sitting area downstairs. There is a couch, coffee table, an oversized chair. There's a TV in there. I mean, it's like this private little alcove that you can sit in <clears throat> it's interesting i don't i don't know what that is for uh other than it's just a big space i mean it you're like ooh, we got the andrew jackson room it's a big room that that doesn't make sense i would rather have more closet space i would have had i would have rather had the sitting area in the bedroom i would have rather had the bedroom be enclosed um I might have preferred even two bedrooms. Um, I don't know if it was big enough. It might not have been big enough for two bedrooms. But, um, you know, a slightly redesigned with only one uh, bathroom or what have you might have been possible. But anyways, uh, you know, that room had a TV. The bedroom had a TV. The downstairs had a TV. Um, and it worked out pretty well because... That room was quiet enough. I ended up having to attend one of my school classes on the Tuesday night that we were there. Yeah, it took four hours. I was so disappointed. That's how long my class is, but I was hoping being the first one, it'd be shorter. So anyways, I was able to sit there. It was quieter. I didn't hear um, as much of the noise from Bourbon Street, so I was able to concentrate on my class so that worked out pretty well that was the downside of this room and that the doors to the balcony were not like soundproof and the windows were not soundproof so bourbon street was open till one in the morning for the whole entire uh, from sunday to to thursday so almost the whole entire time we were there and then friday night 
it opened up to 24-7. Now, being the first night, it ended up, you know, not going 24-7. I think everything shut down around 4 or 5. They're not going to stay open if they're not selling anything. So, as long as people were buying alcohol, they were going to stay open. But I think it kind of died down. Um, <clears throat> and then they opened back up at like 9 or 10. So, they only closed for a few hours. But... Anyway, so that was our room. We were pretty excited about that. Juan and Dora had gotten a room that was a little bit further down initially. Um, and then they went down. They had trouble with the door lock and things like that. And so finally they just said, hey, can we just move down? And so they ended up being the door right next to ours. And then their balcony was right next to ours. So that was really cool. Um, but they ended up spending a lot of time in our balcony with us because we had the best view. So <clears throat> ultimately... Um, this $1,200 upgrade that Dakota gave us for the two rooms, plus tax, whatever, might have been fourteen or $1,500 value, we ended up using every single night for hours sometimes. Um, we're getting older. Hanging out on Bourbon Street uh, is cool for a bit. Um, for us... It was nice to then be able to, you know, to go down, enjoy Burma Street for an hour or two, and then go up and sit on the balcony and then enjoy Bourbon Street, quote unquote, from a distance for another hour or two um, before we went to bed. So that was nice. You know, we had alcohol and whatever, and we were just kind of sitting up there and just people watching. And that was just as much fun to us. As being in the middle of all the shit. So um, so the balcony ended up being a phenomenal upgrade. We were so happy about that. It was very cool. Um, so that was our that was our trip there and, and the room. Um, I'll tell you a little bit more about our trip after the break. We ended up having some really great um, seafood there, of course. You're right off the the Mississippi. There are several places that we really like to go. Um, one of them is the Red, Red Fish Grill. Uh, very, very good food. Very good food. Um, it's not too bad. I mean... Honestly, everywhere you eat there is a little bit pricey when you pay for seafood. Um, you're paying $27 a, a plate, you know, for dinner. Um, you know, crab legs or steak, you're you're getting upwards of 35 and $40. Um, and they're all pretty much the same price. Um, you can get cheaper food elsewhere, but... You know, the, the slightly better restaurants where you actually sit and you have good seafood, that's kind of the going price. Um, and so we <clears throat> we ate at the Redfish Grill. We ate at Oceana. Oceana is, is okay. Uh, it's pretty, it's an average seafood joint. Um, we kind of ended up being stuck there because one night we wanted to go to Redfish Grill 
Um, but it was closed. It's so funny because the Redfish Grill is, like I described before, the canal is at the bottom of Bourbon and Orleans, where we're staying, is at the top or, you know, at the top of where most of the action happens. Um, Bourbon Street goes past um, our hotel. But so you're talking six or eight blocks. Redfish Grill is like one block in or a half block in from Canal Street. So <clears throat> at, you know, nine, the the Redfish Grill closes at 10 and it's like 920 and we're thinking, okay, we've got time, but let's get down there quick. So, I mean, I'm walking fast, hauling ass. The women are in their heels. Juan's, you know kind of making the way in between us because I'm hauling ass. I'm walking fast and the women are having trouble and he's kind of the go-between. You know, he's trying to keep me in sight while keeping them in sight. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck it, I'm just going to get down there. I'm going to get in line. They can just catch up whenever, you know what I mean? Um, and I got there at 9.35. So we must have left a little bit later. But anyways, um, they had closed at 9.30 because... They don't want you hauling your cookies in there at 9.45 or 9.35 and ordering all this shit and keeping them past their closing time. They're, they want to be done. So <clears throat> we missed that. So we went to the Oceana and um, it was okay. You know, you know the, the food was okay. It was not phenomenal, but it definitely wasn't terrible. Um, so we had that um, and then we had the Redfish Grill, like I said. The funny part was is that uh, after the Redfish Grill, because we'd gone there, we kept hearing all week that, you know, we had to try the char-grilled oysters. And so this was like Thursday night, and we're thinking, we got to get this shit done. And so, you know, we go to the Redfish Grill and sit down and start looking at the menu because we heard that they had it, and then we found out they didn't have it. So we're like, well, shit. So we went ahead and ordered kind of a lighter um, meal there. I mean, it was good, whatever. I don't remember what we ordered, but it was good. And they were like, all right, who does char-grilled oysters? And like, oh, you got to go to Felix's. So we wrap it up at the Redfish Grill, have, you know, a couple drinks, whatever. We go over to Felix's. The line is what feels like a mile long to get into this joint. So we're like, okay. Let's just get in line. We got to do this. So we get in line. It actually goes pretty quick. We were probably in line about 30 minutes, which, you know, there's no reservations. And so that's just how it works. And it went much faster than we expected. We get in, we go into Felix's and my first impression was huge disappointment. This place was an oversized cafe, loud as fuck. This place was so loud. It was like a Mel's Diner. The dishes are slamming. The people are screaming. Not screaming, but talking super loud as if they're screaming. And, you know, so you have to yell over the noise to the people across the table from you in order to be heard. You can't carry on a conversation unless you yell. So it was hugely disappointing disappointing as far as the atmosphere is concerned um and the floors were linoleum and they were slippery and I'm like what the hell what you know um but anyways so we sit down 
we're told that the, that the that the uh, payment system is down, and so they could only you know take cash. We're like, that's fine. We had cash on us, um, and so then we ordered the char grilled oysters, and Juan ordered some raw oysters, and we ordered a few other things. <clears throat> the char grilled oysters are phenomenal. I'm not an oyster person as far as raw oysters or just like um, cooked, whatever, however you would say cooked uh, oysters. Um, these char grilled oysters are awesome. They are so good. We just, we loved them. We'd gotten a dozen of them. Um, and for the four of us, that was plenty. We each had, we each had three and we had already had a meal. We were just going over there just to try them. You know what I mean? Uh, and so we got those. And, and like I said, it was pretty standard. That was about 25 26 bucks for just those oysters. So that was pretty standard pricing for seafood there. We <clears throat> really enjoyed the, the oysters. It was good. The atmosphere was shit, but that's okay. <clears throat> So we got out of there, and um, what else? Where else did we eat? There was a little, there was a little cafe joint. We sat on the second floor the first night we were there. First, first night we went and we had a uh, deep fried alligator. That was delicious. <clears throat> that was the second time I tried alligator, um, and it was great. Like I remembered, I had it two or three more times while we were there. Um, had, uh, crab cakes, po'boys, and, oh, a couple of burgers. <clears throat> we went to this, um, vampire-themed cafe called The Vampire, and, um, it was okay. You know, the cafe is kind of small. They don't, actually, it only been open, uh, for about five months or something like that, four months. Um, and so they were still trying to, I think they were still trying to figure out how to run the show. So they were a little bit slow. Um, the food was okay, you know. Um, it was funny because Juan likes his hamburgers more on a well done. Um, but it came out kind of medium. And I asked for my medium and it came out a just slightly under medium. So I have a feeling either they don't know what they're doing or they kind of just go with the vampire theme and kind of keep it medium. You know what I mean? No matter what you ask for, uh, which kind of sucks if you don't like your hamburgers that way. And Juan does not, so he didn't enjoy his hamburger that much. Um, and then Dora had ordered a Bloody Mary. Well, of course, sticking with the theme, they... Um, make the Bloody Mary more look more like blood so they don't use V8 juice <clears throat> um, and of course that's the basic ingredient for Bloody Mary you know everything else builds off of that if you're not using V8 or tomato juice or whatever um, you you don't have a Bloody Mary um, so they don't use the V8 or the tomato juice or whatever. And so their Bloody Mary was, was basically vodka and like a, a red 
not even cranberry, just like a flavored, a red flavored water. <laughs> and so that was, that was disappointing too. So, and then, um, my wife's order, apparently they didn't even get it. So <clears throat> Juan and Dora and my food come and we're like waiting. And then the waiter, like eight minutes later, finally we get him and he comes over and we're like, she didn't get her food yet. He's like, oh, he goes back and checks and he's like, oh, they didn't get your order. I put it in again. We're like, what the fuck? <clears throat> so she says, well, go go ahead and eat so your food doesn't get cold. So we, we ate that. Dora's tuna, uh, she said, was good. So we're finishing. We finish our food. And then the waiter comes back and tells my wife again, I don't know what the ordering There's something with the ordering system. I had to put your order in again. And she's like, okay. <laughs> so she got her food about 10 minutes or so I mean, and it's just salmon. She was just getting like a salmon, you know, cooked salmon salad or something like that. I forget. <clears throat> a grilled salmon salad. And um, so she ends up getting her food 10 minutes or so after. One of the issues I run into with recording the podcast on my phone is that from time to time, it happens with my phone, so I apologize for being cut off there. Um, in the middle of talking about the Vampire Cafe, my wife finally got her food, and so wrap it up. You know, it, it, we were not impressed with the Vampire Cafe. Uh, you know, we had Cafe du Monde, which is the uh, beignets. Those are really good. We also tried. Cafe Beignet, which theirs are a little bit different. They're a little bit heavier. They're more like a donut, um, but they're good. Both of them are very good. It just depends on what you like in your beignets. So um, we, I think that was kind of it for all of our foodie experiences. We took a steamboat ride on the Mississippi, so that was pretty cool, then had dinner, um, the, I was, uh, a little bit disappointed with the route that they chose to take, I thought we were going to go up river and possibly see some of the plantations or what have you, um, on the sides, you know, on the shorelines, um, but they went downriver, and there wasn't that much to see downriver. They showed us a, a few um, things. There is the number one, the number two, okay. It's the number one sugar maker manufacturer in America, the number two sugar manufacturer in the world, I guess somewhere in Brazil. As the number one sugar manufacturing, they said they make like 5,000 pounds of sugar a day. I, I forget. It was some, might have been more than that. I don't have a five. It might have been 50,000 pounds. It was a lot. It's a lot of sugar. Um, so that was 
I mean, honestly, on that ride, uh, that was probably the most interesting thing. The rest of it was just seeing some ships. And they were talking about the flags on the ships and what they meant. I'm like, I don't give a shit. It has nothing to do with New Orleans. So I was disappointed uh, with that. It was cool. I wanted to be on the steamboat. I wanted to be on the Mississippi. It's something we hadn't done yet. So I was really looking forward to it. When it was all said and done, I was glad we did it, but it was disappointing uh, how they went about doing it. So, um, And then we did, um, we rode on the streetcar uh, a couple of places. That was cool. We did the city bus tour, uh, which I recommend you doing. Now, they have several different ones. Uh, one we did years ago tended to be a little more thorough, and we saw more of the houses. Um, they kind of showed us some of the celebrities' houses, Sandra Bullock, Nicolas Cage, a couple other people who live there in the area in the Garden District. Um, so that one was a little more interesting. This this one we did this last time was cool. She took us to a few places we hadn't been. Um but still went to the Garden District and, you know, what have you. We saw the beautiful area. Uh, so that was cool. Um, so, you know, depending on what bus tour company you get with will depend on what the bus tour does. I know that they all stop at the cemetery, which is cool in New Orleans, the way they do their plots, you know, with the, I don't know what they call them, crypts, mausoleum? Not a mausoleum. But anyways, you buy this tomb, but it's above ground. You do it for your whole family. Um, and because of the heat and the humidity there, they have found that it takes a, just slightly more than a year for a body to completely decompose. And so they put you on the top shelf of this this tomb that you have, and after a year and whatever, a couple of days or a year and a know, 13 months, whatever it is, then they go back in there and they take you off the top shelf and then they throw you down into the bottom pit and now the the top shelf is ready for the next family member. Um, so it's kind of cool in that you can have, you know, however many family members you want buried in there. Um, oh, I'm going to sneeze. Hang on. <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh my gosh. Tough morning. <laughs> um so it's it's kinda cool in that you know, the the tomb can hold however many people because now you're dust and you're only limited by the size because you can add as many names as you want to but you're limited to the space on your on the walls of your tomb um, and depending on the writing size and things like that. So these things cost, I don't know how much it is to buy a plot of land uh, for your burial, but, you know, at the, at the cemetery. But some of these, I think the starting price on these tombs that they create is somewhere around $25,000. 
So, you know, if if a lot of family members go in on it, then obviously the price is reduced and everybody can be buried there. Um, so it's kind of cool. It, it was interesting to see that. Um, we went on the first bus tour, we ended up going to Metairie, which is a, a really nice, very nice um, cemetery. This other one, I don't remember what it what uh, which one it was, um, but they had a lot of the on the back wall. They had a lot of just older one, older crypts, older tombs that were like stacked on top of each other. Basically, um, those didn't have the space like the nice ones, and I think that those were from the 1800s where people were dying from all these diseases and stuff, and so they were kind of mass dumping. I mean, they were still trying to be respectful, give them a place, but they were kind of mass dumping them in these things. And uh, you can see the hole, it's a square hole, and you put the body in there, and then you just brickwork it up as like this temporary thing, and then you go in when you, after a year or whatever, you go back in there and remove the bricks, and then you, you know, put the, the ashes down and below in this smaller area, and then you, it's ready for the next person. Depending on the tomb that you buy, you can have that piece be more like marble or whatever, but if you're pretty poor, what have you, they just, you know, plaster it or or brick it up, and um, so some of them looked pretty old and uh, ratty looking, kind of moldy um, and sad in a way, (laughs) Uh, but it was very cool to see. We had some great pictures there. We really enjoyed seeing the history of of that place, Um, and we definitely saw some people who um, had died in the late 1800s, we didn't walk around the whole place. We were probably only there for 15 or 20 minutes on the bus tour. We just stopped there. Um, but I bet they have some really old, old stuff. If you walk around there, it's a it's a huge cemetery, it's huge. All their cemeteries are, are really big. Um, so we did that. Um, we did an alligator tour, a swamp airboat tour. That was so much fun. Uh, the the guide was just old, old uh, Louisiana, talking with an accent, kind of mumbling a little bit. Uh, it, was, it was very difficult to understand, um, but he was really good. And, and we saw, I think the biggest alligator we saw from nose to, t- to tip of the tail was probably eight feet, which... Um, can be pretty big but their tails are are long so um you know most of them look like they were i don't know like teenagers or whatever you want to say or young adults but um the biggest one we saw was probably about eight foot and and it looked a little older and you know bigger um it was cool he was throwing marshmallows and hot dogs and they'd come up he put them on a stick and he had them come out of the water up under the airboat their front legs and their you know, obviously their mouth, the front legs are up there, and they're kind of snapping at the at the hot dog on a stick. And uh, we were, you know, we're only a little, we're only like six or eight inches in from the edge of the boat, and so this alligator is like right there. So people are like backing up, and but you're seeing right down the mouth of this thing. It was so 
great ride. Um, that one I would, it was through Cajun Tours, I believe. No, no, Airboat Adventures. Cajun Tours was the bus tour. Um, Airboat Adventures, do it. It's worth it. Um, I think it was, we had a smaller boat. There was only eight of us on this boat where you can get a bigger one where there's like 12 or 16 people on there. Um, so we were on a smaller boat and um, you pay more. I think we paid $75 a person, which I think is well worth it. Um, to get on the bigger boat, I think it's $50. So you're not you're not saving that much and um, or you're not paying that much more and your uh, time is so much better. You see so much more. Um, so that was pretty cool. Really enjoyed that. Uh, you know, that was kind of it. That's all I can think of. Oh, we did do the World War II Museum. Um, that's that's kind of depressing, but at the same time, really cool. They have one of the best museums there, the World War II Museum. Um, yeah, I mean, you come out there just kind of shaking your head and kind of down with the the whole thing. Um, you know, just the the whole atmosphere, the whole thing. We saw the, you know, D-Day. We started with D-Day, and then we ended up going over to the Pacific and seeing all the wars over there. And so then you end with the atomic bomb and the absolute destruction. I mean, the whole thing, obviously, it's all about war and just the casualties and death and everything. Um, and then hearing how America became victorious. Uh <laughs> How we saved the world. I mean, literally, I had no idea that Japan had taken over so many countries or so many islands or, or what have you. Um, I had, I just, I didn't remember that. So we had to battle back and retake all these islands and all these little countries and all these little, uh, you know, and the same in Europe. It's like in World War Two, allies had to, had to battle everybody back a lot so it was cool to see that it was really neat too especially on memorial day weekend you're like man this is kick-ass it was really cool so depressing really cool great great museum it really is a great museum so um yeah and we came back on saturday evening and so yeah Ultimately, to, to round the whole thing out, Sunday I was too tired and had too much stuff to do to get together with Chris and do our podcast, so it is Tuesday morning right now that I'm going to finish recording this and post it. Chris and I will get together on Sunday again. So uh, That was our New Orleans trip. We had a really good time. The flight back, we went through Dallas-Fort Worth, um, had dinner there, great no no issues. Southwest was great. We missed the alcohol. People are such, such fucking idiots. I don't know why you would pow, uh, punch a flight attendant in the mouth. It's so stupid. People are so fucking dumb. Put on your fucking mask. Quit being an idiot. It's mandated. Quit being an asshole. It's just stupid. I, I'm vaccinated, and I still wear my mask. I hate it, and I wear it because I'm not a fucking asshole. You know, I don't talk, I don't argue this vaccination, I have to wear this, blah, blah, blah. I didn't want to get vaccinated even. That's where we're going off into a whole 
tangent. I didn't want to do all, any of this bullshit. But I'm doing it. Why? Because I'm not a fucking asshole. I just want to get by and just do my thing. I'm not going to fight with people. I'm not going to argue with people. I know it's a freedom thing. And I'm like, fuck it. Just put it on. Live your life. Quit being a dick about it. So, anyway. Done with that. I just... It's funny because the flight attendants were very, like, apologetic and very, they were a little bit, not defensive, but they were a little bit kind of like, you know, we got to wear our mask for 12 hours. You only have to wear it for this hour and a half flight. Please, you know, kind of let's just all get along. And they're being, you know, kind of just, you know, I don't know. And and at that time, I didn't know about the story. I didn't hear about it until after I got back. Um I was just like, yeah, people are so stupid. So, yeah, they, you know, Southwest is not allowing alcohol. You can't even bring your own alcohol on there. They're like, no alcohol. People become fucking cockheads when they drink. So, alcohol accentuates your personality. So, if you're an asshole, then you become a fucking asshole. So, (laughs) anyway, (laughs) that's my, I'm getting on my soapbox. Careful. Um, anyway, so thank you again for joining. Appreciate y'all. Um, again, Chris, Chris and I will get together next week. I think he wants to talk about skin, the Skinwalker Ranch. You guys should look, look that shit up so you know what we're talking about because, uh, it's kind of creepy, kind of cool, kind of weird, kind of, kind of bullshit. I don't know. (laughs) We'll see. Uh, he knows far more about it than I do. I'm going to do uh, quite a bit of research this week. Um, but, yeah, I think we'll, we'll talk about GameStop for a couple of minutes just to – we might do that um, each episode just to let everybody know where they're at. But um, mostly we're just going to move on. We're going to talk about some cool stuff. So Skinmarker Ranch next week. Y'all do some research. All right. Have a great week. Take care.